Hey, did somebody call for backup? What's up, prodigies? And welcome back to Call for Backup, a prodigal son podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Dream a little dream with us as we discuss season two, episode six of Prodigal Son. If you're not caught up, this is your big spoiler warning. Come join us when you've watched all the latest episodes from season two on Fox Now or Hulu. As many of you know, I'm Kaylee and I'm a staff writer at Nerds. You can find me on social media at Kaylee Gross. For this episode, I am joined by Kennedy and my partner in podcast crime, Jules. So I appreciate y'all being here this week. Usually on our episodes, we have four members, but several of the Nerds and Beyond staff are being affected by the snowstorms in Texas, as well as other parts of the country. We are thinking of all of you out there. Kennedy is providing a quick recap of the episode. Jules will be leading the discussion of our favorite noteworthy moments and helping to discuss our theories. And of course, we'll have our weekly Malcolm Danger Count led by myself and Jules. But don't worry, I'll end the episode with a nice dose of reflection for the week ahead with a motivational affirmation or quote. Before we begin, I'll let the other staff members introduce themselves and explain what they do for nerds. Hey guys, I'm Kennedy. Um, I'm an editor and writer at Nerds and Beyond, and you can find me over on Twitter at Kennedy Lynch. And I'm Jules. I am an editor, writer, and content assistant, and you can find me on Twitter at Jules Writes Blog. This week on Prodigal Son, when Malcolm gets called in on a case to solve a murder at the Canmere Hotel, his career reaches new heights, or depths, we should say, as he plunges down an elevator shaft. Oh, Malcolm. Waking up in a world that's not quite right, or a little too right, depending on who you ask, the profiler races against the clock to solve the case in order to wake up and save himself from certain death. Be sure to check out our in-depth recap on nerdsandbeyond.com for all the details. So as usual this week, we are going to talk about the moments from the episode that we want to highlight, some of our reactions, and some of our sort of theories going forward into the season, especially now that we know that we're only one episode away from the winter finale. Um, So I thought we'd start off from maybe, maybe less huge revelations to the biggest ones and start with the actual case of the week, which was actually pretty interesting. Um, Aside from the rest of the episode, I found myself getting kind of caught up in the case where we catch a really old time serial killer, which is fascinating. Um, What did you guys think of the actual case before we get into what it all means? I really liked it. It was interesting. It was something different. And, you know, Malcolm, his whole life has dealt with serial, a serial killer, really. Um, (laughs) but But I think profiling them. And then when he was finally able to catch like another serial killer, it was almost like, I, I did it. <laughs> like his life meant something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> serial killers is, you know, catching them is what I do. I honestly liked it. I think it was interesting. And for him to be like an older guy, we're like seemingly harmless, you know, but his history, it was just very, very interesting. I was, I was intrigued as were you Jules. <laughs> it was very interesting to see like a more retroactive case. Like, I mean, the guy ended up Rupert was his name I think was only ended up killing the guy to kind of cover up everything that had gone on in the past Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting not having it directly linked to like a string of murders that was happening right then I think. It was cool too because you know for true crime fans there's sort of that parallel there to somebody like a Golden State killer who sort of thought that they got away with it for so long and then with new modern things happening didn't get away with it anymore and I thought it was an interesting parallel too with Malcolm and Martin, because again, you have a parent and a child. And in this situation, the parent was actively trying to conceal it from the child. You know, he didn't want his daughter to know what was going on. Whereas Martin would love nothing more than for one of his two children to turn into a copycat killer. Oh, for sure. Well, we're kind of close already. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) Later, Kennedy, later. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized that. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe this is on purpose, but Malcolm's dream about Martin getting away with it was kind of what happened in real life with Bert and his daughter. Like he ended up getting away with it in real life. So Mart or gosh dang, I already started. It, we're two minutes in, and I already <laughs> what number? What number? <laughs> Nine, I think. I think we're on ten, ten. honestly, because I oh definitely my. did it last episode. So <laughs> goodness. Um. So in Malcolm's dream, I think he was he knew already so in his dream he's like oh he's 
like that parallel you were saying, he put himself in the mm. daughter's shoes and was like, oh, this is what happened if my dad got away with murder. So I thought that was interesting. I just literally, as we're sitting here, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that whole- smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think that whole dream sequence like really influenced his actions. I'm getting ahead of myself again, but like later on in the episode, we'll we'll come back to that. <laughs> Kennedy's just dying to jump right into the crazy dream world, which makes sense because it was a fascinating place. Um, the last kind of thing I wanted to mention about the actual case of the week is that we got some pretty amazing one-liners out of it, as always. Uh, Malcolm only knows one fact about this hotel, <laughs> um, and he will repeat it as many times as possible. I think Duke uh, Ellington stayed here, I think. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Did he stay Did you know Duke Ellington? <laughs> I wasn't sure, you know? Um, I also loved... Danny's line where she says you're, you're doing that thing where you stare off into space and freak everyone out um which is just very <laughs> you know very make true. everyone uncomfortable as usual as usual. I mean, we've talked before about what the other police officers think who maybe don't know Malcolm so well when they see him on a crime scene I think that's a good example of what they're probably thinking <laughs> so now I know Kennedy's ready to jump right in and so am I uh we spent a lot of time in Malcolm's dream world this episode because once again putting himself in danger for no good reason uh we should be changing this podcast name to wait for backup because he did wait call for backup wait for backup but you gotta wait though Malcolm <laughs> waiting's the other half of this equation I know he's he's sort of learned the first step but like he called Danny and was like oh I think I hear someone <laughs> And then hangs up. And immediately hangs up. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, so he did kind of call, but yeah, we might have to change the whole podcast. Just scrap the whole idea. (laughs) Just scrap it. But his complete lack of self-preservation instincts is what leads to a really awesome sort of dream sequence for the episode, which is very cool. Um, We get to see almost everyone in Malcolm's life in a very different light. Um, We see Malcolm as a legitimate detective which is different than how he is in real life. We see Gil in a completely different situation. Oh my gosh, Gil. Papa Gil. Papa Gil. And of course, the whole Whitley family (laughs) is completely different as well. So what did you guys think when we were first starting to see the episode play out? I loved seeing Lou Diamond Phillips as Martin per se. Um, Like in in that same environment that we know Martin to be in now. I think it was interesting to see him as a different person, but Martin was still a killer and Gil like took the fall for it. Something like that, right? Martin, not Martin, Malcolm. (laughs) (laughs) When he called the police, like when he was a little kid, this is like the storyline. Oh, Gil, like don't drink that tea. And so he like drank the tea and like went stark raving mad in his own words. So that's, he didn't get framed. He just, got put in Claremont because the drugs the he put yeah gotcha. messed him up okay I think I missed I definitely missed that I was probably tweeting too much um definitely <laughs> important plot point um but I loved seeing Lou in that environment and and it wasn't a wig my whole life is a lie I can't it was believe not it wasn't a wig it wasn't a wig um and also it happens to be Lou Diamond Phillips's birthday today so Lou if you happen to be listening happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> as we're recording it's it's Wednesday the 17th so that's when we're recording this podcast but I also enjoyed seeing Ainsley as a doctor yeah. I was like why is she spewing all this medical like jargon and then all of a sudden she, Jessica's like, oh, well, she, you know, get two of the best doctors and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, what? But yeah, I was kind of tipped off when um, Martin yeah. was like, nobody in here is afraid of a little blood. And I was like, Ainsley's a reporter. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. <laughs> but it was curious because I wonder if Ainsley was like, because I know we didn't get to see it in the dream world, but like, I wonder if Ainsley knew about like, martin's whole murder and was like helping him or like an accomplice or something like because they're both in the medical world i don't know maybe it's a theory portion <laughs> a theory portion in a dream that, that like inception dreamception dreamception prodigal son edition i mean it was interesting because we were just talking about that last week we were just talking about how martin and ainsley are so similar and that they both kind of threw themselves into their work you know ainsley mm-hmm. is a reporter and him is a doctor and i think it's interesting that in this dream sequence Malcolm's subconscious is seeing them as the same thing he's seeing them as two incredibly driven doctors because we even see her personality is a little bit different in the dream world too she's very aggressive and much more like Martin 
in the mm-hmm. dream than we've seen her be in reality up to this point. Um, we'll see going forward. Um, but in that moment, the whole family dynamic is also very different as well because Jessica mm-hmm. is not as stressed out. She's much more kind of relaxed and just sort of living her life. She's uh, not, not an alcoholic. Not an alcoholic. <laughs> Um, you know, oh my God. I mean, they're all so different from their normal selves, but there's enough of that self there that you understand why Malcolm is changing them in his head. Like why mm-hmm. certain aspects are exaggerated and why some aren't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if, I, I just enjoyed seeing the actors get to play around a little bit more too, to kind of play around with these dynamics a little bit. I know Lou tweeted and said he had a good time playing that side of Gil because it's not a, a, a side of Gil that you would ever normally get to see. That we uh, hope we don't see. Fun. And we hope we don't see. Exactly. I don't need to see <laughs> you that. You better not be in Claremont. Can you imagine him being Martin's cell buddy? I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> Honestly, I would watch they that. They would slaughter each other the first day. <laughs> he would try to electrocute him like he did Jerry. What was the first thing that tipped y'all off that he was not awake? I mean, because they kind of, the way that they transitioned into it with him just like waking up in the hospital, Danny holding an ice yeah. pack to his head was like, oh, he's, he's fine, but, he, but right. he wasn't. What was the first thing that tipped y'all off that something wasn't right? Ainsley. Her demeanor was very different than what we're used yeah. to seeing from her. I think, I think that's what it was. Cause we've seen Jessica be happy before. So I wasn't like completely thrown by that, but like Ainsley <laughs> just seemed a little too wee <laughs> for, for what was going on. <laughs> It was Jessica's mocktail for me. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> well, it was a, mocktail. <laughs> a part of me kind of like, I feel like JT was too nice to Malcolm. <laughs> like he was almost too concerned. Not that, but you know what I mean? Like, you know yeah. how they, they kind of joke with each other and all of that. He was almost like too concerned for me. And in the back of my head, I'm like, we're still in a dream sequence. Like I, something's not adding up. So I kind of, when he woke up, like it didn't take me very long. Cause I was like, something's off and then when he kept having those flashbacks i'm like he's in a dream got it and of course we have to talk about the major event of the dream perhaps the thing that made everyone freak out the most on twitter understandably which is that brightwell was a thing like very much a thing (laughs) oh my i mean this was not this was not subtle i thought it was going to be subtle to be totally honest with you guys i (laughs) thought you were very much there yeah, they're like, you we're going to give you Brightwell. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we had loving moments. We had them waking up in bed next to each other, like as if uh, they, they were dating. She had met his family, like fully committed romantic relationship. I mean, wow. What, what did you guys think when chills. you started watching it? It hurt to watch. It did because it's like, we know it's not real. You know, mm. it's like, we, cause we're, we're yearning for this to be real in, in Malcolm's reality and in Danny's reality. But it, it was just so, it was sad, but it was also so nice to see like what it could be like for them, you know? Mm. Well, I think in reality, Danny knows his family already. Literally, she's met Ainsley, she's met Jessica, and she's met Martin. So she's technically, met Martin. She, has met the whole, she has met the whole family. And Martin has, you know, likes her for, <laughs> That's I so think true. He does. for <laughs> right? Exactly. So I, I don't know. I want it so badly because it was just perfect. Like the, they seemed so comfortable with one another. And I think mm-hmm. in reality, they're becoming more comfortable with one another. So to me, in in my head, at least it makes sense that he was having those feelings towards her because he's like wow I feel so comfortable with this person that I can open up to that knows my history that knows my family so it hurt to see that like how much that they were open with each other in like the dream sequence to him like having to clamp up in the elevator when you know she's like asking about how he's doing obviously not well there's a lot going on there but obviously not well <laughs> how yeah. long do you have? That's, that's the general vibe he can never say okay when someone asks oh how are you, are you? Oh, uh, uh, not yeah. well. well he's like do you have to ask <laughs> and i mean i think it's interesting too because we got not only do we get kind of the the dream brightwell which is like everything a brightwell fan would ever want but we also right. had in the real world a very legitimate moment between mm-hmm. the two of them at the end of the episode when Danny's sort of catching up with him after the case has been solved. And that's a very real bond as well. It's not as mm-hmm. happy and sort of idealistic as the one that's in the dream. Right. But you can see that she's concerned for him. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I put my glasses on and I squint at it, I can see that maybe <laughs> she's starting to feel some things for our friend Malcolm. And Malcolm definitely is feeling some things for Danny. Absolutely. Because you mm-hmm. see the way he looks at her when he's talking to her and when he's thinking about the dream and thinking about her. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought it was so interesting to see the real scenes as well. I liked the parallel where she said the same line she did in the dream. Like, your life could never bore me or something like that. You know, good night, Malcolm. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) The way he looked at her as she was walking away, it it was so sad. It was so sad. Because immediately, even immediately after he came out of the dream in the lobby holding a human skull. I know. (laughs) Battered and bruised. And he's just like, well. but This is my life like staring at her and it's so sad because he obviously wants that to be reality mm-hmm. and it could be I mean I know he can't really tell her about everything that went down with Endicott because you know she's the police but like <laughs> can't she ignore that enforces detail. the law because she's the, the police, police. <laughs> she's the NYPD Danny <laughs> is the only face of the NYPD Oh, but she cares about him. It's obvious that she cares about him. And every time mm-hmm. like she tries and checks in on him and he like kind of visibly shuts her down, you can see her like kind of disappointed and upset. Yeah. And I was saying a couple of weeks ago when I was on when um when Jessica was this the premiere? I don't know when um not Jessica, when Danny was having that conversation with Gail about Jessica I think it in, was like, the premiere C Center. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was some of her feelings leaking over into that mm-hmm. conversation too, not just Gil's frustration like her frustration paralleling with Malcolm so mm-hmm. and it's interesting because a lot of those feelings that this brings up for Malcolm it kind of leads into the when the dream is ending and he's mm-hmm. confronting reality and we get a really amazing amazingly written and amazingly performed monologue um about why he needs to wake up and we've sort of seen this I feel like in a lot of different tv shows where somebody's in a dream sequence they have this opportunity where either they can stay or they can go you know they have mm-hmm. a cause or what, what have you and all the time, it's usually basically reality is better than in the dream because it's real. And in Malcolm's situation, he has this amazing line that is heartbreaking, yes. um, which is suffering is real. Even if I don't open the box, the woman in there is still in pain. This is who I am, Dr. Whitley. Even in my wildest dream, I'm still a detective. I need to seek the truth, no matter how painful. Which is just, it's such a good, it, oh, it's such a, a great encapsulation of his whole character into like one speech. But the saddest part of the whole thing though, is that he can't see that he deserves happiness and he deserves to have somebody care for him because he thinks he's just too damaged. And holy cow, what were you guys <laughs> thinking when you were watching him do this speech? I, I was genuinely it's... tearing up. Like, yeah, the Tom Payne like killed that scene. Mm-hmm. first of all I was getting so mad at Martin for interjecting this episode has shown me that Martin is the villain in every universe <laughs> I, will, I will stand by that he was making me so angry even though it wasn't really him I guess but just seeing him like tear up and like visibly struggle and you know Martin's throwing all these like throwaway comments at him like oh if you stay here you could be happy blah 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 there's Coco. It was just really <laughs> there's Coco That was like shut up Martin part. <laughs> It was just really heartbreaking seeing him struggle, especially when like you can visibly see that he doesn't want to go back, but he knows that he needs to. I think it's so deep, too, for someone that most of his life he's only known suffering. He's only known pain because, you know, his dad is a serial killer. And then, you know, he he didn't have it easy just because his dad was put away doesn't mean that kids didn't bully him or, you know, just because he was rich doesn't mean he didn't struggle. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's all Mm -hmm. these like stereotypical things like, oh, well, he's rich. Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. But he struggled his whole life. He had visible mental effects, emotional effects from this whole event of his dad. And it almost like makes you want to cry just because like, can you imagine how much pain someone must be in? And the only thing they know is reality is them suffering. They can't be happy because that's not real. You know what I mean? That's just, oh, gets me, gets me. I think something that was really like validating and reaffirming to see was even when we were in the universe where none of that pain and none of that suffering happened to him that he still wanted to help people like that that it's Mm -hmm. not just a result of his trauma and that's like an intrinsic part of who he is like Malcolm Mm -hmm. wants to help people and while in you know reality that was definitely informed by you know all the terrible terrible things that Martin did it was just really validating to see him like retain that aspect of his character even in a world where none of that 
had like he never experienced any of that and he used like you said Kennedy he used that you know he used all of his pain he used all of that suffering and everything he's gone through in his life to help others you know you like it's almost like motivating him because he even says he's even said in like previous episodes like you know I could have saved them or I could have you know done this or Mm -hmm. I could have helped solve the case earlier and maybe they would have been alive he I know he does hold a lot of guilt on every case that they work on but it does motivate him to to help people like I said to to solve these cases that's why he takes them so seriously because I think every case he takes personally I think he sees a little bit of himself in every victim and so Mm -hmm. or every every child yeah yeah and he's just Mm -hmm. trying to set right the things that have happened to him in the past Mm mm-hmm I think it's interesting, too, because we've talked before how the show does a really good job of portraying Malcolm's mental illness overall in that Mm -hmm. it's a function of his character, but it's not the only thing about him. But I think it's fascinating to watch this episode from his perspective because he's saying these things that he takes to be absolutely true, which is that somebody Mm -hmm. like Danny shouldn't involve herself with someone like him because he's too damaged and too much, which is not only remarkably unfair to himself um, because what what a horrible self-esteem and self-concept to have but also it's very unfair to Danny because she's already shown numerous times that she cares about him and that she's willing to be there for him and she has seen him at his worst um she has absolutely <laughs> seen the worst side of Malcolm Bright and it's just it's very fascinating to me that he's not willing to think that maybe she could be in love with him or even that she could just be there and support him I was just going to say Jules that you know, it doesn't have to always, it doesn't have to start out with a relationship. You know, they can mm-hmm. still continue to build that friendship because I think that's what has made them stronger is the, them building that bond, them trusting each other, becoming more comfortable with one another, you know, opening up, not holding a lot of secrets, even though Malcolm's holding a huge secret. He's um, got the big one. He's got a yeah. biggie waiting on the, the jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, like I said, I think he's feeling those feelings for her because he's like, wow, somebody actually cares for me aside from Eve, you know, but obviously she is not alive anymore. You know, rip, rip Eve. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't mean to laugh, but I just, the way I said it, I was like, well, um, well no, but she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I said, Danny has, has been there for Malcolm for almost everything in his life. Obviously she was his age when the whole serial killer thing happened but but everything else like from this point on that we've seen them all together she's been there you know she's been the person he's gone to besides skill I want their friendship to maybe blossom more and for them to trust each other more and then you know determine whether they want to be in a relationship or not and I think he's almost preemptively rejecting her Mm -hmm. because he I don't think he could deal with the pain of being rejected by Danny because she is someone that he respects and really loves. So right. I think part of it is I'll push this away. So it never happens so that or I don't so have to she, worry about if what her reaction would be. Or if she, I don't think he wants to involve her in his life because it's too messy. It's too complicated. It's he doesn't want to hurt her or bring her down, I think. And of course we got to talk about our last point here, which is the, the elephant in the room of this episode, so to speak, they weren't kidding last week when they said that the ending was going to be a little bit shocking, a little bit crazy. Uh, Ainsley might've just made her second kill. We don't know who she killed. We don't know why. why. (laughs) Uh, We have no context for this event whatsoever because of the type of cliffhanger that we were left on. But uh, yeah, we have Ainsley absolutely covered in blood, freaking out, proving my thesis once again that we should have just told Ainsley what was going on. I'm telling right you, away. Yes. Okay, I still don't think that would have solved anything at this point. I'm not convinced it's not going to happen again. There, I'm saying it. I don't care <laughs> that he just told her. I, I, she keeps dissociating, and I don't. Even though it's like making sense to her now why she's dissociating, I don't think that's going to stop it from happening again. I think they need to put her on lockdown. Like she, <laughs> she doesn't need to. She be- needs to be roomies with with Martin. <laughs> she does. Kennedy I- and I are two opposite ends of the spectrum, <laughs> and she has been roasting me for my Ainsley defense. With good reason. But I have said I have multiple episodes in a row now been on mm. audio on air saying that I don't believe she would kill again. And I think the first message I got was from Kennedy saying, 
told wow. you. I told you. <laughs> Ghouls has a thing for wanting to redeem the villains, and not saying that Ainsley is a villain. She's coming. She is becoming villain adjacent <laughs> at this point, and that's all that that's all that Jules needs to defend her. And I'm just here to know. No, they need to lock her up. <laughs> I'm Switzerland. I'm. I'm not. <laughs> this is between Jules and Kennedy. I was gonna say that. I don't know. I feel like if she had known after the first kill, I I don't know if maybe she didn't kill again, but she would have it in the back of her mind like, wow, I did kill somebody. Maybe she would be more careful. Maybe she would have gotten help. Maybe she would have moved away or to Estonia. I don't know. For like six episodes. I mean, I will say, yeah. like, Kennedy, I know I tend to humanize the villains. I know that that's a character <laughs> flaw of mine. But if I had been told all this, oh, no, you didn't kill that guy. Don't worry about it. But yes. I'm having nightmares where I killed a guy and I'm being gaslit by everyone in my life who's important to me. I, I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of trauma to deal with on top of the original mm-hmm. trauma of having killed a guy. So I feel like it, it, it might not have fixed it fully but they definitely made it worse. Like, she could have been more aware. She could have been more aware. You know what I'm saying? She could have been more mindful about putting herself in those situations. You know what I mean? Like when I know something or like when someone tells me something, like you just have that thought in the back of your mind, like a post-it note in your brain. Just a little boop. <laughs> I'm going to post it. Please don't commit murder. <laughs> Stick it right on your mirror. When you wake up in the morning, you know, say like an affirmation. You know, Malcolm's. I will not commit murder today. I will in not commit murder today. Just say it to yourself in the mirror. Go out and enjoy. That should have been our week. affirmation this week. Oh no! <laughs> oh, guess we'll have to find out. But I, I will say, we still do not know who Ainsley killed, why she killed them, what the circumstances were. If she killed anyone, that's what I was going to ask. Gonna okay, say. I okay. The blood splatters are obviously like i there's not really a reasonable explanation why she would have that on her like if she was just like Mm -hmm. completely drenched in blood i don't know i could be like it was a freak accident with i don't know like a butcher truck or something i don't know (laughs) we could be (laughs) (laughs) but there's no i don't know i simultaneously get the feeling that we're being faked out because i feel like we haven't been faked out enough this season by the promos (laughs) and also just caught like she killed someone else or also the person could just still be alive and about to like turn him in i don't know (laughs) i was gonna say that you know how malcolm said oh you she's like well why was i covered in blood he's like oh well you tried to save him maybe she did try to save somebody maybe she was out in the field somebody got hurt in like a car accident or something and she was trying to help them you know i'm trying i'm Mm. trying to help ainsley out yeah (laughs) kaylee yeah she could have been cpr yeah you never see all those shows where they try to resuscitate somebody and there's blood everywhere maybe she wiped her hands on her very nice blouse over here ainsley's saving lives no maybe she's a doctor in her (laughs) on the side reporter slash doctor ainsley whitley on the five little bleed over from the alternate universe there bleed over (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i mean it'll be interesting to see who she killed because that's going to depend a lot i'm telling you to see how we feel about it Kaylee thinks it's another anchor anchor. (laughs) she's like you took my five o'clock spot you're done (laughs) you're done She's murdering the competition, literally. She's just you know, she could do it in a nicer way, like poison, like her father, but I think that would be too. But too she's not a planner, she's not the kind of killer that's right. A planner. And yeah. and there are some serial killers that are not planners, and she is not one of those. So that's actually interesting because Martin, all the thrill was in the planning, all the thrill was in the, mm-hmm. the, the execution, so to speak. With her, she's she not even, even getting she's not getting any enjoyment out of it. I mean, that's, that's my other right. defense of Ainsley is that she's not like whatever reason she's killing. It's some deep seated, weird psychological thing, but she didn't like, once she killed Endicott, it wasn't like, Whoa, what a rush. She just completely didn't even remember that she did it. <laughs> oh, let's do that again. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, we never, wait. we never revisited Malcolm. I was really about to say Martin there for a second. Um, <laughs> catch. um 11 Malcolm with his um little smile after, uh, after the cleanup we've we yeah. touched on that once and never yeah. said anything about it ever I again i think we should not be neglecting that i'm not I'm maybe we the direction that that's I know. Going. <laughs> it's hurting my soul a little bit i'll be honest but did he you know, really or is that just his in his mind his because perception. We've that's seen a good it point play out a few times we've seen that scene a few times and there's sometimes where he's very disturbed 
and he's not smiling. And then other times they cut to it and he's sort of given a little smile and it sort of depends on the context of the scene. So I wonder if he's misremembering what happened as well. Because I think so. I know that this man has some hallucination issues. <laughs> Clearly. I wrote the recap for the premiere and I was thinking that when like that whole like speech with scene with Martin was going on, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, is this actually what happened or is this his guilt taking over? And he's like, I'm a bad person and everything that, you know, he's mm-hmm. been trying to suppress his entire life is just like manifesting itself in that moment, making him feel this way or did it actually happen? I don't know. I just feel like season one taught us we should not be ignoring the little things um (laughs) everything matters everything is a clue i feel like i'm watching wandavision except i'm watching prodigal son i've got to look for all (laughs) the easter i wonder though because we know that ainsley has put herself well okay so when she killed endicott she was in a very stressful situation where you know he was in some way threatening you know and then malcolm mm-hmm. had the gun and then she just kind of went into this instinct where i need to protect my family or you know i need to protect my mom like what if he goes after my mom um because i think he threatened her didn't he or probably well, we never know why she Jessica. stayed there we never we know why she know. stayed there and someone on twitter recently actually said this and i don't know if it was somebody from nerds or if it was somebody else so forgive me if i don't attribute this to you but i if saw you're listening it, tag us <laughs> if you're listening tag us um but plugs they were beyond. saying we don't actually know what happened in he the wasn't time holding that a gun. ainsley was with endicott we mm-hmm. don't know if she she could have been traumatized before malcolm even got there mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing so it's like okay maybe that was the trauma and that's why she just completely dissociated like that because that whole scene right up until she kills him we don't really see Ainsley like she's there and she's in the moment but Mm -hmm. she's not the focus at all so I wonder if maybe something that happened with Endicott before she killed him could be playing into this a little bit was yeah, this why had she came straight from you know how they were like having dinner before or whatever mm-hmm. and she was just kind of like playing along with this little like oh, oh i'm powerful right. i can help you out spiel so i'm like i don't remember if it was like they were at dinner and then they and went then came straight to there. the house i don't remember hot was at his at his mansion and then they left because ainsley could have just been like playing the part to try and expose him because she had kind of like committed to try yeah. and do that wasn't physically threatening her in any way i know we're going off on a tangent but i'm trying to think of like the back you know what i'm saying like the backstory why was she sitting there if he wasn't physically threatening me i would have been like peace bye (laughs) i would have you know why he did that is key to figuring out why she why she did that then why she why she felt threatened enough to kill him yes he's a terrible dude and malcolm was holding a gun on him so clearly he's a threatening person but he he physically was not holding anything he probably, I mean, in a fight, I'm betting for Ainsley and Malcolm. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, it's you know, if they were to brawl, you know what I mean? Like, in no other way was he threatening, and except maybe if he had held something over them. Maybe he was like, oh, I'm going to kill your dad in Claremont. Or, you know, there's guards at the hospital with your mom. And if something happens to me, she'll die. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it must have been a threat like that, that um, was a contributing factor. But... I also wonder, I'm just, I'm just going to go on a spiel here. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies fans. Um, I wonder if we get to see it from Ainsley's eyes, what she was thinking, because we only really saw it from Malcolm's perspective. Mm -hmm. It was, it was more focused on Malcolm and Endicott in that moment. You know, Mm -hmm. like you said, Jules, Ainsley was there, um, but she wasn't there. You know what I mean? So I wonder if we get to see from her perspective, from her eyes, that would be I just want to say it would be an amazing camera shot. Okay. Just amazing. I'm just in my head. Director Kaylee on, on the scene. <laughs> Director okay. Kaylee is ready. <laughs> Prodigal son, moment. hire me. <laughs> Never directed um TV show, but I did direct a play. Resident Thespian. <laughs> Thespian. We just learn every week we learn more and more about <laughs> Kaylee's past in the theater. In the theater. In um, the theater. But I think it would be so interesting. What was she thinking in that moment? Why did she like, you know, because we didn't see her grab the knife because when she was just standing behind him, we're like, oh, what are you doing, girl? And then she brought up the knife. We're like, oh, that's what she's doing. So what if that wasn't her first kill? Whoa. Controversial. If you can throw adoption in there, I can throw that wasn't Ainsley's first kill in there. What if she killed when she was younger? Well, cause she's dissociative, no, right? She wouldn't that. remember. You're she wouldn't remember that that, like, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe Malcolm, Malcolm wouldn't either. 
I mean, and Malcolm was kind of young. Somebody that would have noticed honestly. if she came home, little, I don't know, nine, ten year old girl, like well, covered maybe in blood. Margo noticed like, that she but... had an imaginary friend living in the basement. I don't think she would have noticed <laughs> if she came home covered in blood, to be fully You make honest valid points. You. <laughs> you make valid points. I, I can't get over that. I guess because <laughs> Jessica. I, will never get over that. I guess because Jessica technically didn't know that Martin was killing. So maybe, I guess maybe she wouldn't have done it in her, in her childhood, but. You know, there's things we don't know about Ainsley. So I'm, I want to see what's going on. I am not convinced. Okay. You know how they announced Alan Cummings episode Mm -hmm. arc? I don't know. It's only going to be two episodes. Why do I feel Mm. like she's going to kill him too? I don't know. I think so too. He's, he's being cut. Becoming a serial killer. He's, I, (laughs) I don't know. He's on, he's on the, he's on the scrap list. Yep. (laughs) He's on the stab list. He's on the kill list. It just, we're, I'm so frustrated because, of course the show is called prodigal son so we're focusing on malcolm but there's so much we don't know about ainsley and why Mm -hmm. she's doing the things she's done and how she you know again this episode ended covered in blood like i'm like oh what's going on i'm stressed i'm stressed y'all and backtracking a little bit because i think it needs to be acknowledged about how funny of a scene this was i i love it when the family's together and we got at the beginning of the episode a little moment before they figured out what they were going to tell Ainsley when they were going to tell Ainsley it Mm -hmm. was Martin and Jessica and Malcolm talking about it and (laughs) Martin gets in two spectacularly funny lines (laughs) again with Michael Sheen's line delivery just he's amazing but Malcolm is advocating very hard for not telling Ainsley Mm -hmm. and Martin says I could have used a little bit of that energy back in 98 (laughs) which is great I laughed out loud out loud like just cracked up I was like I, he did not just say that and Martin he has also, no shame no shame it's no shame men. Martin no shame Whitley <laughs> forget the surgeon it's right? Martin, no shame Whitley one-liner Whitley <laughs> one-liner Whitley because he is and because the, the other one-liner that he had was after Jess was making these increasingly absurd suggestions about what they could have done well actually you know what i won't i will give jess that she probably was right and that if they had just called the cops immediately and said this man was coming at me with a gun they probably would have played it off yeah Yeah. she probably would have gotten acquitted but he said nobody likes a monday morning accomplice which is a really (laughs) great one too and then she after that she he was like oh you know something something we could have done she's like you're gross (laughs) (laughs) i was like yes jessica and she just like promptly leaves i'm like you go girl I just love that she got all dolled up for that visit too, because she was like rocking a whole no. outfit. She had the earrings. She, she always like rocks an outfit. I think she always. She does rocks. always rock an outfit. We have never seen Jessica like not made up. But I just want to say, only Malcolm Bright could solve a crime unconscious in twenty <laughs> minutes. I I feel like he's not getting enough credit for that. He was literally. <gasps> I know. At the, he was like dying at the bottom of an elevator shaft. <laughs> Solves the crime. Just- just Gets laying out. around. <laughs> just, just take that would hold up in court. Taking a quick snooze. Would that hold up in court? What, what is that court trial going to look like? How did you uh, figure so this I, out? So I, I hit my head, uh, <laughs> going falling down an elevator shaft. I had well, a Wizard pushed. of Oz type he dream. He was pushed. He was pushed. He was pushed. I'm pushed. so sorry. We're so used it's to Malcolm he didn't just take cause a, of I'm, his <laughs> own problems that we just don't even stop to think that it might be someone else's fault. He just didn't take a nosedive into the elevator shaft. Well, that would be on brand for him, though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't what, it be? What, what it would reason? be the shot, Let like him just... diving into the pool. Just the... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so with all that being said, I know we sort of got into theories a little bit, but does anyone have any burning theories they want to add? I think Alan Cumming is going to play. I know he's only there for two episodes, um, but I think he's going to play a huge role. And Catherine mm-hmm. Zeta-Jones is also going to be on next week's episode as well. <laughs> next week, I mean, the week after that. I'm curious to see if Hurt and, and Martin get a little friendly. I'm thinking. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been no, calling I'm prison th- romance since the day they announced she, she was going to be on there. She has. I would like full credit for that theory. I yes. have been saying I, it from the start. Jules, I, I'm agreeing with you. I second Thank it. You. I think you're welcome. <laughs> I definitely think there's going to be some new, because, you know, we've seen Jessica kind of with Gil. Um, so I'm thinking he's going to get a little, <laughs> little romance. Ew, that's my thought on that, though. Gross. Since we're throwing out our um, absurd theories, uh, adopted. uh, Listen, (laughs) listen. 
Um, I, I pitched this in the chat. Um, Jessica's sister is supposed to come to town. So yes. what if what if Catherine Zeta-Jones is the I, sister? She's the sister. And too? it's an inside plot to like murder Martin. I don't know. Kaylee seconds all the theories. Kaylee <laughs> will I feel like I'm... any theory you have if you believe it hard enough. Oh my gosh. I'm not, I don't take credit for them, but I, I'm not, well, I don't mean to take credit for them, but I, in my brain somehow I remember that. So I'm, I'm, I'm co-signing like you said with those theories i agree <laughs> i think i definitely want to see what happens with ainsley i want a, a ainsley um centered episode more of an ainsley centered episode because mm-hmm. it's still so up in the air about what really happened we know that like malcolm covered it up he you know to chop up the body and all that gross stuff but we really <laughs> don't know what happened after the fact did how did ainsley in her disassociative state like change her clothes take a shower drink some wine like get home go to sleep you know what I mean and then how it's affected her from then on you know in her nightmares um you know in her in her quick moments flashbacks things like that I I think it's just gonna help us bring the whole story around and make more sense and I just I don't know I just I'm so curious to see um Halston play Ainsley in a different light is anyone else wondering how they got the body to Estonia? I'm still wondering that. Like, I know they're I'm rich. not asking questions. I know they're filthy I don't rich. really need to know logistically how that happened. I, I mean, know. I assume part of the reason why we have this person from Europol even coming, I assume we're probably mm-hmm. actually going to learn some of these things about the actual disposal itself because right. we've only seen it in flashes. We've mm-hmm. only seen sort of what Malcolm's remembered of it, but we really don't know very much about what happened there or how he covered that up or who he called because presumably somebody else had to have known that there was mm-hmm. a body here because you need accomplices to get a body to Estonia for you. So that Unless he just dropped too. some boxes on a random boat and was like, what if it was the J? What if it was the J? We just you know he's- to have him back. You know, like, what if he, because I don't know, he's in like the business, like insurance thing. He does so he could have probably international stuff. I don't yeah. know. I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I'm calling it right here. Right, you heard it here first. So call for backup. He would well, blab it true. like in two seconds. But I, they don't, they're not that close anymore. So, and I feel like, he, I feel like they're he could somehow. They're not murder close. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, you gotta I'm, be really close to be in cover up murder close. Or he's like, I got some, I got some dirt on you. You gonna help me cover up this body? I guess maybe, but even then, you don't want to. If I know one thing about being a serial killer that I know from true crime podcast, I was gonna you, say, very like from your personal experience. That from. <laughs> yes, from my personal experience, Kennedy. But you, you can't have it be somebody who it's a debt owed that they're helping you out because right. they may decide one day that that information is not actually worth as much as you hoped it was. And then mm-hmm. you are screwed. So you need to find somebody who is just as invested as you. And in this situation, I don't think Bajay would be invested at all. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think Malcolm would, would blackmail people anyway. I, no, that's I not can't really see. his style. He's not like that. Yeah. He would rather take the fall, which is what we were all assuming he was going to do at the end of season one when we were kind of theorizing what was going to go on in season two we all just assumed that he would just take the fall both Mm -hmm. legally and with Ainsley and with everybody else that he would just say it was him um which didn't quite come to pass but we'll see we'll have to see what happens in the next couple episodes I'm scared for them to get caught well I was gonna say on on top of that do you think that Gil is gonna find out soon or Danny or Gil's gonna find out Adresa Adresa finds out I feel like it's gonna come (laughs) back Adresa found out she would help him she would, she would. I would really <laughs> not even care. I think so too. Because she, she really would. She knows, she knows all the like the medical, like, you know, she is a medical examiner. So she knows all the ins and outs and what they would look for. And, you know, I, I need to stop talking. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when he was like supposed to be on house arrest, like she was already covering up for him yeah. when he supposedly killed Eddie. Maldresa forever. Yay. <laughs> That's my ship that will never sail. Listen, I love Brightwell so much. I really do. Oh, and yes. I was very happy to see all those moments this episode because I also think that of the ships, they're the most realistic in terms of But we happen. have a little special place in our heart for Maldresa. But I like Maldresa. I do. And I feel badly. Like the Prodigal Son account tweeted on Valentine's uh, Day. promo. A video of <laughs> no. Maldresa and Malcolm's moments. And I'm like, she just really loves her little murder friend. Like it's her buddy. <laughs> yeah because no one else understands her like he does they and get each other they get yeah. each other because she tolerates his weirdness because as much as danny does tolerate malcolm there's definitely times where she's like i'm i really don't need to talk about murder right now or it's a match made... just always talk yeah, about it's a murder. match made in murder heaven <laughs> a match made in the morgue right 
gonna be in like the next episode of the bachelorette just like in the morning <laughs> or something for... oh my gosh can you imagine you just had me imagine a bachelor prodigal son crossover and uh I, I, I can't say i hate it <laughs> I, you know like malcolm being the next eligible bachelor of new york city oh my god please give me a season three of prodigal son except it's just malcolm on the bachelor as the bachelor oh we see god. how far that goes how many of those girls would run away screaming on the first night Somebody write that fanfic. We have an amazing community of fanfic writers in this fandom. Somebody please write me a fanfic where Malcolm is on The Bachelor. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you and good night. (laughs) Thank you and good night. (laughs) Make sure to tag us at Call for Backup Pod and let us know your favorite moments, any theories, and uh, maybe we will talk about that on the show. Who knows? And now it is time for a little segment we like to call the Malcolm Danger Count. Warning. Warning. Malcolm Danger. Where we go over the many bad decisions made by our favorite profiler, Mr. Malcolm Bright. I mean, this episode is interesting because while he did make some bad decisions, some were also made for him. Some were also made for him. It's not entirely his fault. Uh, But but again, we will say that we should really just change the name of this podcast to wait for backup rather than call for backup. Because calling is no longer the problem. It's the follow through. It's the waiting (laughs) afterwards. Yes. And our first moment, which is entirely on him and like fully and entirely on him. Full, full blame. To go back to the creepy, dark crime scene alone at night. (sighs) I, will, I mean, he learn? Just, will he learn? Will he learn? No self-preservation there. I mean, for me, sure, he's not worried about ghosts, but I would be. Mm-hmm. I'd be worried yeah. about ghosts. Like, you know how many crime shows have, like, something ha- bad happened in a hotel? Yeah. Have you seen what's currently on Netflix? It's like the Cecile Hotel or something like that. Oh, don't even get me started on that. We could start a whole separate <laughs> podcast on that. But you know what I mean, like, as an example. Yeah. yeah, as an example, like, Come on. Okay. Alone in the dark at night. Three of the worst things that can that you could do. But like, come on, Malcolm. You like danger follows you like a shadow. Can you mm-hmm. not like can you make some safe choices, please? Like, I just make need better choices, him, like to have like a like his own like different affirmations. Like, I will not go by myself in the dark. I will not <laughs> go in a creepy hotel and get pushed down, you know, whatever. I will I'll call Danny and I will wait for her yeah, answer I will, before I, I will wait for backup until I physically see somebody walk through the door. Then I will investigate. But you know, he's got to get the story just like Ainsley. He's got to get the story. So that was our first moment. And that was entirely his fault. The second one, which is also entirely his fault, is that he chose to <laughs> chase after chase after the dude, even though it's dark and he has no backup. So again, right. he could have chosen to, to, to just call and say, I saw something. This is what I saw. I will wait. I'm going to wait here. I'm going to wait here. I'm going to wait here till you come. Because <laughs> he doesn't have a gun. He's technically he not a, a cop. <laughs> not a cop. <laughs> no way to defend himself. So that, that that's number two. Number three, while it was not his fault that he was pushed down an elevator shaft, <laughs> it was totally his fault that he put himself in the situation, situation that someone could put him down. Push him, exactly. Push him down the elevator shaft. He was just peering over the edge. Like, huh, there's no, there's no, nothing there. Nothing there. <laughs> Looks a little comfy down there. Let me go take a nap. Just nosedive. I have an unhealthy fear of like elevator shafts because I've seen too many news stories where people like yes. go to take the elevator and they like it's not there and they miss. Or I've, I've seen <sighs> too much stuff with elevators. I've also been on the ride Tower of Terror, so I really oh that's my favorite. But <laughs> you're never gonna peer through. I'm never gonna look through the door of an elevator shaft to see ever what's again. Going on there, ever again. <laughs> um, and then, like you just said, number four would be. <laughs> then he just lay there in the elevator and i know it's not his fault that he was unconscious for part of that but come on for buddy, most of it <laughs> wake yourself up you can do this i <laughs> know sense of self-preservation wakey wakey eggs and bakey wakey, wakey. <laughs> so i say to my students <laughs> i'm like wakey wakey <laughs> because they're all sleeping they're high schoolers they're all sleeping i'm like come on wakey wakey but i was i was like malcolm eventually the elevator is gonna it's gonna make its move it's on you so so you better get up you get gotta up. get up and out of there <laughs> oh god scared i wonder okay how did he get out first of all i just want to ask a question how did he get out of the elevator shaft 
not important. He just Malcolm okay. righted his way out of there. He just he <laughs> maybe he flew. Malcolm I don't know. Move. He flew. Yeah, that's perfectly plausible. Honestly, <laughs> I, he just he finds his way out of these situations because he's a cat with nine lives and he always All focuses right. on his feet. Works Makes for me. No sense, but he does it, and we're very glad that he does. We're we're <laughs> glad that he's still with us. It's good enough for me. And of course, the most Malcolm Bright moment of the episode, number five, which is that this plan actually works, that he uses the skull <laughs> to stop the elevator from crushing him. Would that be just like tampering with evidence? I mean, even like, though it's yes. to save his life. <laughs> this is what I think about. <laughs> I'm That's like, um, but you still tamper with evidence in a court of law. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But it was quick thinking, I think, on his part. You know, he's like, oh, what can I, what, what can uh, stop this elevator from crushing me to death? Hmm. This will do. The skull of a murder victim. I mean, he is just very lucky that he has a big brain in that head of his. I know. But for for a man who makes such bad decisions, thank God he's smart enough to get out of them. That's all I got Right, say. exactly. So you can put yourself in those positions as long as you can get yourself out for the most gotta part. Gotta be able to get yourself out. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, what's it all for? So that that is five for just this episode. Up to this episode, we were at 15. So that brings our grand total for the season to 20. <laughs> and we are halfway through. We are halfway through the season now. Almost. Only six episodes in, y'all. Six. Oh my god. That's Incredible. it. Incredible. So what do you what are you thinking, Jules? Are you thinking you're gonna highball it still or are you changing yeah. your answer? I think I, what did I say 40 or like 35 or something? I think I, I said 40. We're aiming generally just based on the trajectory so far. Although I wasn't expecting to have five in one episode, I will say. So mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, I, I just get the sense that things are only gonna get more dangerous from here, especially yeah. now that Ainsley out there being an actual real life serial killer. Uh so who knows I, I think your estimate of 40 is probably it's probably getting close it was either me or kennedy i don't remember i think Someone i was like near 40. her i don't remember now hmm. I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and listen if you guys remember and have listened to that episode <laughs> let us know because clearly my memory has shot <laughs> my memory shot but additionally, if you have moments that you wanted included, if you've got something to say about the danger count, you can go ahead and tweet us over at call for the number four backup pod on Twitter. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your theories. And who knows, maybe you'll hear us discussing them in an upcoming episode. And we will try to credit you as opposed to my usual, someone on Twitter said, <laughs> insert smart thing here. We will make the attempt to credit you. As a party note for our podcast, we'll be ending every episode with motivational affirmation or quote that hopefully inspires you as you start your weekend. This week's quote is, all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Edgar Allan Poe. Remember, prodigies, if you're in a creepy hotel with sketchy elevators, don't be like Malcolm and call for backup. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check back next week for a special hiatus episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on our brand new Twitter account, call for backup pod. That's call the number four backup pod. Tag us and let us know your thoughts on the episode. And as always, follow us at Nerds and Beyond for all of your nerdy news.